where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. Got that live studio audience again here, Randy. <laughs> Keep following you around, your fans. Something like that. <laughs> Welcome to another uh, week of the Security Squawk podcast. We're going to talk about a bunch of cyber attacks today, guys. Just remember, if we uh, educate you or you are enlightened by anything that we talk about on the show today, we just ask that you kindly share the show and uh, rate us on your podcasting platform if you happen to listen to us on your podcast. All that good stuff uh, helps other people find our podcast and helps us spread the word and get people educated on what they need to do to start protecting themselves from cyber criminals. So guys, we got Dallas uh, under attack. The whole entire city almost um, is under attack here. What's going on in Dallas, Andre? Yeah, so last Monday they got a ransomware attack and they had to uh, pretty much shut down all their computers and a lot of their computers and networking systems like that were not able to be used. So starting off to what the consumer normally could see is like water bill payments, code enforcement, that was down. And then you had the computer 911 system. So they have um, something called a computer-aided dispatch is where if there's a 911 um, call, it helps the dispatcher automatically locate the nearest police officer to then be able to go to that emergency. And the same thing for the fire, for the fire and ambulance. So that has been affected as well. And um, this is terrible news because now they're saying calls are being delayed by 30 minutes um, because um, the dispatcher has to now nor uh, manually try to figure out, okay, this police officer send them here and things like that. So they're really struggling. And here we are, what, um, eight, eight, nine days later, and um, they are still, um, they're still suffering from this. Has it been that long? Last yeah, last Monday because we talked about it last week, right? Time flies. Wow, she's yeah. so uh, this is right in your backyard, somewhat, Randy. What's uh, what are they saying out in Texas? What's going on? Give us some uh, boots on the ground kind of perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, nobody's really talking about it. That's why we have this podcast, man. Because <laughs> it's not uh, the word on the street is what's going on in Dallas. So we're uh, all kidding aside. We're like a three to four hour drive from Dallas, depending right. on uh, traffic. So it's a whole nother world up there. Um, so yeah, not a lot of talk down here on the streets um, about it. So there, the, you know, some of the comments that are coming out in, in the article that we have up on the screen are actually kind of interesting. Um, there's this guy, um, Bill Zelensky, who's the Dallas chief information officer who's kind of, it seems like he's doing a little bit of like protecting himself uh, from the situation, but he's, he's basically coming out publicly and saying that the event underscores the need for our city to address the longstanding underinvestment in it and possibly even look at how we structure it. Um, so this sounds like a guy who's not getting much support from you know, the city or, or, you know, the people that he works for in order to do his job properly. Uh, is that, that's what I took from this. What are you guys seeing or, or taking from this? I mean, no offense to the guy making the statement, but it sounds to me like his lawyers gave him the right words to say. Um, you're right, because what we're seeing in all of these is if there is personal data that's leaked, um, then you have employees come back and are suing the cities uh, for these kinds of things. Supposedly, there hasn't been any personal data that's been leaked. Um, so, you know, I don't know. But if that's what he's doing, if he's heading off uh, something um, or or what. Um, but it is. there is an underinvestment in this particular sector. Amazing to me the amount of finger pointing that's now coming out as, as a result of this. Um, they got you got the firefighters leaders basically saying that there was a recommendation made over a year ago to split off the public safety uh, into its own network, uh, network segregation, as we talk about all the time on the podcast. Um, and 
it's amazing. This is just another person who's basically saying like things are not being done as recommended. And I think, you know, this underscores what we talk about all the time on this show guys is like, we're trying to warn the public and we're trying to warn people that, you know, businesses and governments are not taking care of things the way that they should. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's really what's going on here. So we have a major critical infrastructure entity attacked again in, in this, you know, in this cover, in this, you know, country, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Um, you have this country being attacked, critical, critical infrastructure being attacked constantly and nothing being done about it. So, not only are we not doing anything on the front side to prevent it, but we're not doing anything on the backside to take down or bring to justice the people who are creating all this havoc. And it's kind of upsetting. Yeah. And, and just going back to that segmentation, we've seen in other um, news stories where you have just that one department that is um, that got affected because they do segment from one department to another department. But here it just seems that that one IT director, he's in charge of every single department and they all talk to each other. They all network together. So if one goes down, they're all going to be suffered. Um, an interesting uh, thing that I read about this is that um, the, the ransomware group that's in charge of this, um, they're called Royal. And I believe we talked about it um, when we mentioned this last week or the week before when it broke. And like I said, like Brian said, it does seem like a long time ago, but Short story long is they typically don't release the data until after the negotiations have failed um, is what I have read. So them coming out and saying no personal data has been leaked is kind of a nothing burger because these these guys don't leak the personal data until these these, uh, you know, negotiations fall through. So that's a threat that they basically hold to, hey, we're going to release the data. So. Yes. This is, probably still has a lot more news left, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be had in terms of what we're going to find out in the news and all that stuff. But the other part of this is, is that, you know, not no data has been has been stolen is also indicative of the fact that they didn't have the ability to even know it. And, and until real forensic investigators get in there and really dig deep and give them this information, it's kind of this statement that a lot of these companies say until they're proven otherwise, right? So um, a lot of times it's lack of visibility into what's actually happening happening on your network, not so much that things are being released on the dark web. So, so we got another one here, guys, Is uh, and this is kind of the theme here early on in the show is warning people about these threats, right? We see the city of Dallas, they go down, and now we have a new ransomware strain that's picking off big businesses one by one. And as this article states, uh, yours could be next. So this is a new ransomware uh, group called Akira, and it was discovered by the Malware Hunter team who discovered a sample of their encryptor, and they shared it with Bleeping Computer. Um, Akira was launched in March of 2023 and has raided 16 companies by its own claims. And Akira targets mostly enterprises, but doesn't seem to favor any specific vertical. Uh, so far, uh, it's targeted firms in education, finance, real estate, manufacturing, and consulting industries. Of the 16, Akira leaked data belonging to four with the leaked databases varying in size from roughly six gigs all the way up to 250 gigs. So um, they're, they basically, uh, and, and of their victims, it goes on to say that their lowest paid ransom started at 200,000 and then went all the way up into the millions uh, of dollars. And it goes on to say that the group is happy to lower its demand for firms that don't need the decryptor and just want to make sure that the attackers don't leak sensitive data onto the dark web. Uh, and just digging a little deeper on this group and just giving you the information, uh, they will first look for an opening in a corporate network, either by phishing, logging credentials from global employees, 
or by exploiting a flaw in hardware and software. So that tells you you need to train your employees for phishing, which is what we talk about all the time on the show. And you need to make sure that you are patching your systems and looking for vulnerabilities on your network because this is what hackers are doing to take down your companies. Hmm. Thoughts here, guys, because I'm going to jump into um, the CFO Dive article, which also um, you know, talks about how things are going up and things are spiking and things are not going or trending in the direction they were at the end of 2022. But before I jump there, you guys have any thoughts on I do. Go ahead. Yes. So um, something that we need to keep in mind here. So this, this article that you were reading mentions that once they're into the network, because of a, um, of an email, most likely, um, then they go basically do their work and they're basically hanging around and they are, you know, living off the land. The point of what I want to make is most people have the idea that they click on an email and then all of a sudden, boom, ransomware comes up. But it's really a long game, y'all. And you need to know this because you click on um, an email that contains malware. Um, I've said this story twice today. I'm going to say it for the third time. The original Alien back in the 70s, the Alien movie, the little monster comes out of his chest. And what does it do as soon as it comes out of his chest? It goes somewhere and it hides. So when you click on a malware, it's going to do basically the same thing. When you click on an email, it opens a malware. It's going to go somewhere in your network where there's a vulnerability. It's going to dig in. It's going to try to remain undetected. It's going to start what we call living off the land. And it's going to start learning about your network. So when it's time to pull the trigger... Man, they've already deleted your backups. They already know that, you know, certain people in the network do, do certain things. They already know about your customers. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. We need to keep that in mind when we're talking about malware. That is, it's a lot. And just because you don't see anything right now or you don't see anything, you know, Susie clicked on an email two months ago and nothing happened. That doesn't mean that they're not there. Well, I got started on that one. Yeah, you did. So this article on CFO Dive, I mean, jumps into the fact that ransomware is just at, and look, we we put this show together every week, and this week, right, Andre and I had fourteen topics ready to go before Randy even jumped into the green room to help us out with it. So sometimes we struggle finding, especially towards the end of twenty twenty two, we struggled to find content to talk about on the show. We are not struggling. So that's one just data point or indicator to us, you know, not only as to the things we're seeing in our business, but we know that ransomware attacks and, and cyber attacks are up right now and people should be on high alert. I've never seen it this high personally. Um, and the insurance data is backing that up. We have, you know, insurance provider resilience, who's basically saying that their ransomware claims are up almost 50%. And that um, uh, quarter over quarter from the first quarter to the second quarter, uh, or the first quarter of this year to the, to the prior quarter, the last quarter of 2022, uh, th their claims have spiked 77%. Uh, and then you have another group here, um, there's a, I can't find it real quick. I can't find the name, but there's another uh, insurance company group here that basically says same thing for them, that they're basically doubled uh, their claims um, in, in uh, for ransomware attacks in, in this quarter of 2020, first quarter of 2023 versus the fourth quarter of 2022. So there was definitely a lull in what was going on in, in probably the last six months of 2022 um, and people thought we were getting ahead of the game. There were plenty of articles written at the end of mm -hmm. 2022 where people thought we were getting ahead of the game on ransomware. And the three of us said, you know, not so fast. Like the jury's still out on that. Uh, a lot of insurance companies, a lot of lawyers were coming out saying like, we're getting ahead of this. And, and, and the three of us were just like, no, because businesses are not doing enough and there's no way that this is going away. Um, and, there's a report here by Black Kite that's uh, 
mentioned in this CFO dive article that I have up, it basically said ransomware attacks experienced a period of relative stagnation throughout 2022 as international sanctions stemming from Russia's invasion of Ukraine hindered the movement of ransom related funds. In addition, increased pressure from law enforcement and successful joint operations against ransomware groups in 2021 and 2022 led to heightened caution among cyber criminals, the report said. So we had a little bit of a retreat, you know, by ransomware groups uh, as a result of this. But we also also are seeing what we usually see with ransomware groups uh, pointed out in this article. A, they adapt and B, when they do adapt, they're usually very successful. And that's what they did here. They adapted their methodologies on how they attack you and deploy ransomware. But more importantly, they adapted on ways to get the money from point A to point B so they get the money at the end of the day. And these sanctions made it a little bit more difficult, but clearly they figured ways around it. Yep. And we got Mother's Day coming up, Memorial Day coming up, July the 4th coming up. It's going to be really, really busy for for, for these um, companies when they get hacked. What, why about, what, what is it about the holidays, Andre? Well, during the holidays and, and even with summer coming up, a lot of us are going to be vacationing, slowing down, um, shortages of staff because people are out. And uh, come Monday morning, no one's going to be in the office and the hackers have a little more time. And um, that's when people are out. And when they're out, then they can't help. So this is just a perfect timing. Not to rain on your parade there, but I think I think that's a little bit of like like with everything with that I see with this stuff, there's always that kind of uh, old mentality. And I think that that thought process around holidays is it might be getting a little long in the tooth um, because quite frankly, you know, I think more and more companies are investing in things like socks, uh, security, 24 seven security operations center. So somebody is watching over more and more companies than in the past. Uh, and I don't think that that's going to reduce the amount of attacks. I think that's just going to let people know that they're under attack a lot quicker. Um, and I also think that, you know, knowing that ransomware operators don't care what day of the week it is moving forward. I think they're just, they're going to strike whenever they can. They're not going to wait for people to quote unquote be on vacation. Um, because I think like socks are kind of erasing that you know because back in the day before socks yeah your it team went home on the weekend right mm -hmm. and they and they didn't pay pay attention to much maybe some guy was assigned to something but um, i think as things evolve and as companies implement socks i think one of the things we're going to see is that you know they're they're not going to care what day of the week they hit um you know it's not going to matter you know mm -hmm. because they're getting so good at this stuff behind the scenes to to deploy it before they actually do it you know, like you're seeing right now, like this stuff's happening not over any holiday. It just happens to be a holiday when they get hit. It's a coincidence. So I think that's going to be a big change that we're going to see. Yeah. I love to see behind the curtain just to see if, like if Dallas actually had a sock or if they just did. No way. No way. No yeah. way. No. Okay. They probably had like a risk assessment done, but there's, I don't think very many government organizations are investing in socks. No, well, not, even not even in-house, but even if it's a third party, I'm just curious, just in general, if they had. No, I don't think they did. I don't think, and I don't, that's what I mean. Like I, I would, A, number one, nobody's going to have an in-house. It takes millions of dollars to set up mm -hmm. a sock internally. Um, government is not, you know, that, that's one function that they have to outsource. They're, you know, that the, our government building their own sock is, is silly. Um, number one. And number two is, is that they're definitely not investing in it. Most businesses don't, most private businesses don't invest. I seriously doubt, um, other than the DOD, I seriously doubt a lot of like local governments, colleges, universities are investing in that kind of stuff yet. They will. <laughs> so moving right along guys, uh, Randy, you got this one, Western digital. Yeah, good old Western Digital. So um, this has been an, an attack that we have uh, talked about several times on the show, I think uh, twice to be exact, maybe even more in passing. Um, but it has come out um, in the last uh, few days that they, um, when they were hacked, that they actually, they were able to steal customer data. 
So I am going to read a little bit of the article, and then there's something that I just wanted to mention right towards the end. But it says, Western Digital has taken its store offline and sent customers data breach notifications after confirming that hackers stole sensitive personal information in a March cyber attack. The company emailed the data breach notifications late Friday afternoon, so we're just talking a few days ago, warning that customers' data was stored in a Western Digital database stolen during the attack. Based on the investigation, we recently learned that on or around March 26, 2023, an unauthorized party obtained a copy copy of a Western Digital database that contained limited personal information of our online store customers, Western Digital said. The information included customer names, billing and shipping addresses, email addresses, and telephone numbers. They say limited, but that is very valuable, even what they got. As a security measure, the relevant database stored in encrypted format, hashed passwords, which were salted and partial, uh, or they also got hashed passwords, which were salted and partial credit card numbers. So um, one thing I want to read, one more thing. It says, Western Digital also warns impacted customers to be vigilant against spear phishing attacks where threat actors impersonate the company and use the stolen data to gain further personal information for customers. And to me, that's one of the biggest things in this particular article um, is that personal information. We talk about it every time we read about personal information getting leaked. This is so powerful in the hands of the wrong people because a spear phishing means, means A, it's targeted after you. Um, and then most likely, it, since it is targeted after you, it's going to include some kind of personal information. So like you had a leak that found out that you have a certain disease or a certain hobby or a certain bill that was late. I mean, all of that stuff can be brought into a spear phishing email. The more information that's on there, the more likely you are to believe the email and click on it and result in uh, mayhem basically after that. So um, pretty big deal that this happened. Yeah, I mean, it's... uh... It's wild. I mean, it seems like they are. I don't think they're negotiating. It doesn't seem like they are. Um, this is one of those ones where I, I said, wow, they, they could be down for a, a pretty long time. Um, as you said, they minimized the data set that was stolen, saying it's a, a limited data set when, you know, who, who gets the term that it's limited? Um, right. You know, what 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 other data set do we need to, to have included so it's not limited? I guess that's my right. question. Um, yeah, they were shut down for two weeks. Alpha V, you know, their stuff ended up on the link site. The other, you know, I guess the most amazing thing that I'm reading here is the amount of data that was stolen around 10 terabytes. And I think I commented on that last week, too. Um, 10 terabytes is a lot of data. And how you don't know that that's coming off your network is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Andre thoughts. Uh, no, no, we're good on it. Cool. All right. Moving right along then. This is yours. So yes, Microsoft, let me grab my phone. So I'm sure everybody has seen a uh, time in your life where you get a uh, pop-up on your screen from an authenticator app asking you to click yes or no. And um, what's been happening is hackers realize that if they can just keep on making that message pop up on your screen because they already know your username and your password for your Office 365 or your, your Gmail or whatever the case is, if you click yes, they are now in your system. And we've, we even had a customer where they went on a website, they put in their username, they put in their password, and the same thing happened with the authenticator app. And now the hacker was able to get into their system. So um, this has been happening a lot. And Microsoft has finally uh, changed what they call um, MFA fatigue. And now they're moving over to um, a MFA uh, push uh, push system. So if you can scroll down a little, uh, Brian. Yeah. So the idea is that if you are truly trying to um, log into an account, what you will now do is you will have a number that pops up. And then from there, there will no longer be something on your phone that's asking you to do something. You now have to go into your phone and enter that. And then now that's the way you can now authenticate. So I think this is brilliant. This is going to save, a, because as we always said, us cybersecurity professionals, 
we can do all of the protections in the world. We can do, you know, do your um, uh, phishing. We can have the best antivirus, the SOC systems. But at the end of the day, it's that employee. And if that employee does something that they shouldn't have, all of it just doesn't matter. So I love this idea that they're doing. And I, I think by the end of the week or or already, right? March. May. It was yesterday. Yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So it's great. So Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I said we, as I told you, uh, Andre, when we were talking about this, we implemented this probably six weeks ago. I don't know. I think it was somewhere around there. The other thing that we added, um, just so people know it's a, it's available, is uh, on ours, that little pop-up there where you see the number 83, we actually see the geolocation of where it's coming from, the request as well. There's like a little map with a map marker. So if you're not you know, in that relative area, that's another sign that you shouldn't be typing that we're approving that request. So um, there's a lot of different things that they're building in the MFA to make it a little bit more secure than just clicking a button, right? Because I think we realized over time that that yes or no or approve or deny button is uh, a little bit too easy for people to, you know, that's why there's the term MFA fatigue because hackers know if we can try to keep sending you a message, maybe eventually you'll click the wrong option and let us in, right? Go ahead, Rain. Well, I'd say, um, you know, before we break out the scotch and cigars and celebrate mission accomplished, <laughs> that we are, none of us do, but just in case any of the audience wants to do that, um, this is just another move of the chess piece. Oh, yeah, 100%. In the cat and mouse game. We've, we've already seen, we mentioned it on one of our shows a couple of months ago where um, – one of our clients got a supposedly uh, a one note thing and it, she wasn't really paying attention. She tried to click on it and it opened up, you know, Hey, log into Microsoft. And she entered in her information. She got the pop-up, she approved it. And then it went right back. And so that's a classic example of getting around the MFA fatigue because they, they caused her to enter in her username and password and then had a pop-up. So even if the number would have popped up, even the only thing that I think that might've thrown her off, if the, if the geo would have popped up, if the geo would have popped up, which, you know, I, I would say out of all the stuff we've mentioned to go on that particular pop-up, the geo would be the best. But other than that, if she didn't have the geo, she would have just typed in the number because she thought she was logging in. And that that's the other side already doing you know, the next cat and mouse move, if you will, to offset what's been happening on, you know, the good, the good people's side, if you will. Absolutely. Yep. So I'm just going to bring this one up. But by the way, I, I yeah. would agree with both y'all. I do love this feature though. Yeah. So I'm just saying for now, I get so excited that we just forget for now. That it's going to be good for like three more weeks, you know, Yeah. for now. All right, so um, this was an interesting one to me because this Gaston College, um, this this uh, is another college, a university in the U.S. that got hit with a ransomware attack. But it seems like this one, at least for a while, got brushed under the rug. Uh, and it wasn't until that a victim of the ransomware attack in or or the or an employee of the college forwarded a copy of an email about the attack to the Gaston Gazette on May 4th, just five days ago. This attack actually happened back in February of uh, 22nd of 2023. So almost, almost uh, three months guys, but you know, that they kind of brushed this under the rug before it got out there. Um, just reading the article myself, I just, and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it seemed like they tried to brush this under the rug and not let it go public. But then it seems like maybe this employee was contacted by the hackers saying, we have your information, which prompted this employee to then forward this to media and the media started looking into it. So I just found it a little interesting. And I don't know if you guys see it the way I do, but I just, you know, thought like, wow, it looks like this college tried to brush this under the rug and not, let it out and then this person got contacted by a hacker probably 
trying to get extorted and, you know, was basically like, I'm going to out this college right now. <laughs> yeah. It definitely wild, right? seems like that. Yeah, it's, it's wild. The video started playing automatically, man. And heck? that's like the interesting thing for me is, and then why it's interesting and why we're, why I want to talk about it is because businesses try to do this all the time. Yep. Businesses try to blow off these events, hire some company that'll work with them maybe, or maybe they'll try to go about it themselves. And we're going to get out of this. We're going to pay the ransom. We're not going to tell anybody. We're going to move on. And then boom, the hackers start contacting people from the data sets that they were able to get their hands on. Maybe that's your employees. Maybe that's your clients. Maybe that's your partners. Maybe... Maybe it's people that, you know, you do business with on a regular basis who are now being contacted by these criminal hackers who say, we have your data, pay us. And then they're like, where did you get this? And, and then they're like, well, we hacked this company over here. And now, you know, they've been drug into this situation and now they know you've been hacked. This has happened. I mean, I've read about this on more than one occasion where, where the after math has occurred because hackers have reached out to a third party and that third party then raised questions. So thoughts on this, Randy? Um, yeah, just, um, no, I don't have any extra thoughts. No, no. All right. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, to reiterate, this is like when we're trying, when I'm personally trying to let a customer know, this is the, service that you need from us. This is why you should buy it from us. This is why you need it. And then they look around and like, none of my friends, you know, none of my, I have tons and tons of business friends. I would have known if they got hacked or something like this, but all yeah. of the stuff is being swept under the rug. And I tell them this, I'm like, look, it's just not making the news, but it's happening. So, so perfect example where this um, college almost got, um, got away scot-free, but then um, it came up. Yep. Yeah, we're still in that stage where there's lots of shame about, you know, admitting that you were hacked or whatever, or there's still, there's enough, maybe it's not for real, but there's enough that people believe that they do want to keep it quiet. Well, just kind of, just to keep with the flow of what we're talking about, I'm going to skip down to, and I hate to do this to you, Andre, but it's yours, number 10, because it goes along with what we're talking about right now. So we might as well talk about it, right? Um you got the, you know, your guys are talking about brushing things under the rug and there's no, I don't think there's a more famous one than the CSO of, of Uber trying to brush the ransomware attack under the rug who now face charges. Um, but he ended up getting kind of a slap on the wrist in my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah. 15, 15 months of, um, of house arrest basically. This this needed to be the example where other CISOs, other IT directors would have been able to reference and be like, okay, I remember what the Uber guy did in you know five years or whatever the case is. But yeah, definitely a slap on the wrist. Any thoughts here, Randy? Um, you're uh, just there's gonna there's gonna be a lot more a, a lot more of this because um, people do need to come out publicly mm -hmm. about it. And and people do need to be held accountable accountable about it. So I just think we're going to see more and more of this. Um, he did avoid uh, prison time, but you know barely. Um, so you know, and we, we have with the uh, the FTC uh, safeguards rule that goes into effect next month. Um, the potential for more uh, prison terms, more penalties. So I mean, I just think this is like. We're kind of like at the tip of the iceberg or at the beginning of a, of a big shift, I believe. So are you, what are, is what you're saying? Like this guy got off scot-free or I don't want to say scot-free, but he got off, he didn't have to do prison time. Do you think there's going to be somebody down the road who is going to be made an example of and will have to do prison time? I mean, because look, we're talking to, we're talking to CEOs about this all the time and we're only, and when we say this, we're only reiterating, and, and Randy did allude to it, but we're only reiterating what state attorney generals and the FTC is saying that they're going to use things like the FTC safeguard rules as leverage to prosecute executives who don't do cybersecurity the right way, right? So, I mean, 
do you, I just I the question has to be asked. Do you guys really ever think that people are going to be held accountable to the level of prison time for this kind of stuff? I think so. It's just this guy was a trained attorney himself. And um, I just think the, it's going to be a fall guy that's not going to have the lawyers to be able to defend himself. And, and, and it'll, it'll be that that person. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a good point. And I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, Brian, that I can't really foresee the future on that, because on one hand, something like this seems like an appropriate punishment for for not disclosing. I mean, but on the other hand, part of me is like, well, that's really bad that he didn't disclose. So, I mean, I don't really know. It, we don't really know. I don't personally know or even can't even guess would seem to be that it would probably head towards jail time, but you just don't know. That might be considered too much. Yeah, but he didn't even, it's not even that he didn't disclose it. It's, you know, someone can always say, oh, I didn't know I had to. It was, he. He, he took steps to hide. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. To the point where he made the hackers even sign a non-disclosure agreement on how much they actually paid them. I mean, so he ended up getting 200 hours of community service and paying a $50,000 fine. So I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the same question. I'm just going to ask it a different way this time. If you're asking me to invest in cybersecurity or, you, or I get hit with ransomware and you're basically telling me, you know, we, you know, we got to file an insurance claim or we, we got to tell somebody or, you know, or, you know, no, like the bite isn't big enough to discourage people from, from doing this kind of stuff. I just don't believe it is. And setting like having all these rules and saying all this bad stuff on the front end of cybersecurity. And then this is the repercussion on the back end. If you don't do it, I don't know if I, I see a correlation there. I like, I got, it's just, you're getting off way too easy in my opinion. And people are still not going to take cybersecurity seriously. If this is how it's going to be, that's, that's going to be the, the product that comes out of this. Yep. And Uber, obviously public company. So this is one of the reasons why it even got investigated. Right. But... Hi right, buddy. It's all you, Randy moving back VPN. They love it. They're going to take, advantage of the falls that live in VPN and destroy businesses. So yeah, here we go. So it's um, a new ransomware strain called cactus, um, which is exploiting VPN flaws to infiltrate networks. Cybersecurity researchers have shed light on a new ransomware strain called cactus that has been found to leverage known flaws in VPN appliances to obtain initial access to targeted networks. Once inside the networks, Cactus actors attempt to enumerate local and network user accounts in addition to reachable endpoints before creating new user accounts and leveraging custom scripts to automate the deployment and detonation of the ransomware cryptor via scheduled tasks, Kroll said in a report shared with the Hacker News. The ransomware has been observed targeting large, targeting large commercial entities since March 2023, with attacks employing double extortion tactics to steal sensitive data prior to encryption. No data leak site has been identified to date. So basically what they're doing is this, they're finding another, another potential flaw, um, another, another, you know, exploitable piece of the armor for, for them to be able to get into networks and then doing just like we mentioned earlier, they get into the networks, they embed themselves somewhere where they're undetectable, and then they start to do things like this, like uh, making local network accounts, um, reaching the endpoints, doing all kinds of things to basically get themselves all in that network to where then they can detonate the ransomware with the most uh, damage. Yeah, the other scary part of this and why I wanted to bring it up is because they've basically just automated the process of finding vulnerable devices like VPN and firewalls that are out there uh, that have not been patched. They basically automated the whole entire process from finding you to exploiting you to getting in and getting persistent access, right? 
and that's pretty scary. I mean, to have basically a botnet network working on your behalf to find connected devices that are not being updated. And we know just by doing a simple Shodan search that they're out there. Um, yeah, it's, 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 this isn't, this isn't good. Like at one, one, like, because like we go back to the beginning of the show, right. Where we talked about one of the biggest reasons why companies are still getting hacked because they're not updating shit. Right. So this, this just goes along right with it. They're now they're, they're investing time and money into building something automated because they know once they get this automated and they can do it without human intervention, look out, look out. Well, so this one, this one, uh, to, to add to what you're saying, this one kind of does that. And I need to kind of, uh, correct myself just a hair, um, because it looks like the infection chain rather than taking three months or five months, the infection chain is spanning three to five days. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like they've literally just shortened the, the cycle Yep. By almost a thousand percent. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they've gone from almost needing a month to find something to needing a few days or a few seconds even. Right. I mean, it's going to get, this is just another like signal that things are going to get worse this year. And they're using cobalt strike. um, Well, once they get, yeah. Once they get in your network, they're deploying whatever they can for advanced persistence. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> unbelievable wow um it just scares me because i just know how how slowly the world is moving with their cyber defenses and this is how quickly cyber criminals are moving yeah. like you know we you, you you make one advancement with improving the mfa but here you go you know they're not even worried about mfa because they know you're not updating your stuff you know, right. MFA doesn't matter people when you're not updating your firewalls and they can just bust down the front door. Right. So, all right, Andre, this network, because they didn't do things right. They're reeling to the tune of $30 million. What's going on here? $30 million. Um, they lost. Uh, so basically they got uh cyber attack back in February, I believe. And they're now still dealing with this. Um, they are now, according to a report, they lost 552 subscribers in the first quarter. And they're saying that um, the majority of the reason is because they were unable to respond to technical and billing inquiries for weeks. And, you know, again, we talk about this all the time on the show. It's not that you, you know, you get hacked and you're sweeping under the rug, but your business operations fails. Um, I believe here in the article, it all also talked about they had to um, re-image a lot of their their computers and servers. Or that was a different article, but um, but same concept. They had to redo all of their computers, and um, it's just mm-hmm. terrible. And yeah, yeah, Randy, anything? Uh, no. Good. All right. So moving right along. Oh, one more more thing. Randy was going to say it. Um, They also have uh, class action lawsuits that's going to be tied to this. So we know that. Yeah. yeah, So the 30 million is just the beginning. Just the tip of the iceberg. That's what they had to disclose, I think, in their filing. Mm -hmm. Right. But we've only just begun, as they say. So uh, I just wanted to point this out because as uh, the city uh, or the county of Spartanburg Mm -hmm. deals with their issues, um, you know, you're not too small to be attacked and relentless church, a church in, uh, I believe it's Greenville, South Carolina, it's known as a community powerhouse, uh, a multicultural non-denominational place of worship with thousands of members was the recent victim of a ransomware attack. Um, and the pastor, uh, John Gray basically says that his team, uh, Uh, detected an external attack on its servers and the church immediately hired top security firm to take a look and uh, work to figure out where the breach came from and how to secure the church and congregation data. Wow. That's easier said than done. Uh, Anyone who would seek to harm a church, you're not attacking us. You're attacking the God that we serve and you don't want to go against him. Uh, We are very confident that our data is secured and our congregation's information is protected. Um, you know, 
it's nice, nice words to say, but I don't think cyber criminals really give two flying F's about this guy's God. Um, so any thoughts here, guys? It's never too small, right? That's kind of the lesson learned that I wanted to point out as we quickly talk about this one. No, I've gone to many churches and I go into their Wi-Fi and I just run a free tool that I find on the Apple store just to scan their networks. And, you know, they label computers, pastors, PC, and it's on the guest, you know, it's on the same Wi-Fi. And um, the churches, they, they say they don't have the budget for cybersecurity. And why would someone, you know, want to, they don't have anything, right? They only transaction uh, stuff online for their donors and things like that. But he's going to find out. Yeah. So even if you're a church and you're mm -hmm. using um, church software that's online, you have a payment, uh, like for giving, if you have that online, you still have personal information that you're going to be dealing with. You're going to have PDFs of, you know, maybe of a, of a donor that you view on your computer that goes down to your local computer. You're going to have the fact that your local computer still has to access the cloud. Um, we say this all the time, but all the cloud is, is back in the day, you had a server in your closet and the cloud just means you move the server to someone else's closet. Everything else is exactly the same. And so, so bottom line, churches are a ripe target for the info and the data. Um, it will just be, it will, I guess, remain to be seen how much money there that the criminals are going to be able to get from, from churches. But yeah, it is, it is a very uh, big deal. Yeah. So guys, we got 45 minutes in, we got three topics still on the board. Do we want to cover them or are we good? I mean, that's up to you. So number 11 is paywall for me. So I don't even want to cover it because I can't even read it. It's only a headline for me. Do you see um, it? Really? About the ransom gang? Uh, yeah. Yep. Paywalled. Yep. So we'll move on from that. So sorry about that. We had three more topics we were going to cover, but the ones paywalled and we didn't realize it. And we can't tell you the juicy details behind it other than the fact that basically they're display that ransomware gangs are displaying ruthless extortion tactics in April kind of goes along with what we've been saying throughout the show that things are just getting worse. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, they're not, they're, they're looking to get paid with the data that they steal. It's not about encryption anymore. It hasn't been for a very long time now. Um, and they are going to attack whoever they feel necessary based on the data set that's in front of them. I think this, we talked about this a lot when that police department was recently, uh, or the, or, or, or was it the FBI or the secret service? One of those, right. We were talking about how they were attacked and, uh, you know, they'll use that information to go to people who are being investigated for crimes and things like that. Like that's how ruthless these guys are. So, Anything else you guys want to add before we, we drop the show this week? We talk right. about this game. Wait till uh, AI gets involved in this. And these, oh, my um, God. Yeah. Then, yeah. You should see some of the stuff that I'm hearing and seeing with AI. It's it's pretty wicked. So yeah. That should be a show of itself. Yeah, it should. We should. We should talk about AI next week uh, because there's a lot coming out about that. Um, there's a lot of companies that are already banning AI for good reason because people are typing things about their company into chat GTP and it's storing this information. And God knows if somebody gets a hold of that database, what they could do with what people are telling chat GTP. So be, be very, very careful folks about what you type in and chat GTP and what information you give it because somebody can get that data. And unfortunately it's starting to happen. So you, you should be basically assume that anything you tell it, it's going to know and remember. So no one remember, but someone else could also see it. And I think exactly. that that's, that's what I mean is yeah, it, it'll be stored. Right. So, so we got a question from Steve Mesco. I don't, do you guys want to entertain it or do you want to? Sure. Right. Steve? No, no, let's skip Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you all think organizations will try to, will try to move away from passwords and 2FA in the future? Will biometrics become more common? Hey. Take hey. place. Um, I think certain biometrics I'm okay with, but others I'm not. The fingerprints can be tricked and you, I can take a piece of tape and, and, you know, 
trick trick a fingerprint reader. Um, Brian Brian did that right before he 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 went down from the roof hanging on wires and did something right. Oh wait, that was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I use Scotch tape to. Uh, I say here, touch this Scotch tape. Why? Because. <laughs> well, uh, you know. Uh, and then, and then, you know, but I do like, like facial recognition software and stuff like that. I'm okay with that. Something we haven't mentioned, um, quietly and kind of out of nowhere. I know there's been a little bit of rumblings, but in the last three or four days, Google has completely turned on passkey, um, as, uh, basically pat password less authentication where your device basically becomes, both the password and the multi-factor because you can have a fingerprint or something like that. Um, I'm a little, I'm sure they thought through it. It seems a little iffy on me because if someone gets just a hold of your phone, they could, you know, they could potentially like, especially if you had face unlock on there, Mm -hmm. they could potentially get access to things. But I do, I do see to answer Steven's question directly. I do see a move away Mm -hmm. from that like with Google using the pass key because it kind of encrypt, it kind of encapsulates all of that into one. Um, but I don't know about biometrics becoming more, more common. I would say I would be very uh, concerned if somebody wanted to take my biometrics off of my device and store them in the cloud because those can be hacked and they could be used to do just about anything with. So I'd be very, very weary of that. What about mm-hmm. you, Andre? Um, I just think the implementation is going to take a long time for, for them. I mean, look how long it just took people to, to get companies to get people to do MFA. So I just think the, um, two, three, four years. And by that time it's, it's too late. Yeah. I'm in Andre's camp. I've been a big fan of the Jetsons since I was a little boy and we still don't have flying cars. Oh, so <laughs> But we have lasers, though. So half and, and, and we have TVs where we can talk to each other and see each other. Yeah. So yeah. That, is it a plane flying car? <clears throat> yeah. When we also don't have machines that kick out dinner with the push of a button. Like yeah. the whole meal. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there, though. We're getting there. I'm waiting for Amazon to start dropping the meals by drone. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Thank you. Good stuff. Keep it up. See everybody. You guys will be out in uh, Nashville next week, right? Yeah, yeah. We got to work All out right, the time. So these two guys will come. Come. We'll, uh, I think our schedule will still be the same, but we might have to modify it. I'm not sure, but stay tuned on that. And uh, these t- these two will be together next week, and I'll be in my little box still. So take care, everyone. We'll see you in the next All show. Right. Thanks for the support. Share our show. All right. Thanks. See ya.